verse 37 for uh, our introduction. 37 to 39, if you would read that with me. We hear a lot of strange things today, some troublesome, some happy. I, I like good news. This is good news that we're reading this morning. It's a good time for it. Romans 8, 37. God has something to tell us. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you that we're able to gather here together, that we're able to look into your word, that we're able to hear the words you have for comfort for us. We pray you'd be with us all as uh, this experience is less familiar to us right now. We pray you'd be with Steve as he guides us in these thoughts. Help us all to anchor ourselves in your words, your words that came to comfort us and strengthen us and guide us and help us be a guide to others. We ask your forgiveness of our sins, Father, when we doubt. We ask you to be with us to stand strong in your word and in the proof of your power. We ask you to be with us through this morning that we can focus on you, that we can understand what you have for us and what you want us to do for you, that you'd help us spread your blessings to those around us, and that you'd help us make a better world for your kingdom. We pray your presence with us here, all of us. We each have different needs. We ask you to look in on us, and we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Wow, I'm loud already. I like that. This is obviously a better look for me. Thank you, brother. But uh, for sake of clarity, I'm going to remove it. Anyway, I'm really glad. Um, I'm actually very touched by the love that this congregation shows for each other, that all the people in this congregation show to each other. Everybody's wearing a mask, and that's a beautiful thing because I know that you're doing it because you love the people sitting a row or five rows away from you, and I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, this is an awesome, you know, I'm just going to, I'm already going to start ranting. This is an awesome congregation of Christ's body, is it not? Amen? Linda and I talk about this a lot. I, that's a total diversion, but I, I, Linda and I talk a lot about how blessed we are to be here, so you know, as uh, Bob was talking about all the blessings that we have, First among those, well, not first among those, high up among those is um, we get to be part of Christ's body, 
and part of this section of Christ's body. So thank you all um, for being my family. And uh, welcome to the Rawls family. We'd normally, there'd be uh, a lot more hugging and whatever, but you know, we're maintaining safe distance today. So we're not normally uh, this standoffish. Anyway, um, I also in Bob, what Bob was saying is, you know, this, uh, this year has, has been weird. And you didn't know that, so that's why I'm here to tell you this year has been weird. You guys didn't know that before I said it. But if you think about it, this year has been very strange. And the bad part of that is, like, nothing has gone the way I have expected it to go and a lot of things have not gone the way I want them to go. And, you know, we were supposed to, uh, we're going to visit my in-laws so my children can see their grandparents. But we had planned that way back earlier in the year. And, you know, it just seems like everything that I want to do ends up somebody telling me I can't do it or everything I want to say, somebody says I can't say it. I feel... It's easy to feel powerless and defeated. And talking to people, I know that that's a feeling people are, are having. And that's a completely understandable feeling. We're all off balance right now. And you're thinking, if things get this weird, is the world ever going to be normal again? Or is that just the way I think? Everyone thinks that. And, you know, when we're facing an unknown future, we start kind of going, okay, uh, how's this going to work out for me? Am I going to be able to handle it? I feel like I have no power, like I'm just a leaf on the wind. I'm just being blown around. And I want to offer you some encouragement today because the Bible has a lot to say about that. And here is, for those of you who like the ending first. Here's the, here's the ending first. I'll be less inductive today. We are powerful. We are powerful for one reason only, because God loves us. He chooses to make us powerful. And what I'm going to talk about is the fact that not seeming powerful, not looking powerful, has nothing to do with how powerful you are. We're powerful because God makes us powerful. The thing that we have to remember, and we're going to get to this at the end, is the ultimate power moment in the history of all mankind looked on the outside like a commoner being tortured to death by a powerful empire and killed. That's the ultimate power moment in all of history when Jesus exerted His power over death itself. It looked on the outside like a commoner being tortured and killed by a very powerful empire. And what we have to remember is you can see that, that scene the way the world saw it and some of the world still sees it or you can see that scene as it really was which was Christ exerting power over the entire universe, over creation, over death itself. 
And you may not be feeling that right now, and that's fine. We're going to go through a lot of verses, so okay, let me get my, my, my pace up here. I'll try to contain my rambling rants. You know that's not going to happen, right? Let's go to John 14. Jesus, you know, think about shock and awe when Jesus was like, okay, so I'm leaving. The, the apostles, the disciples are like, what? You can't leave now. Why are you leaving now? What are you doing? And Jesus said, well, this was always the plan. But don't be afraid. Everything's okay. You're not alone. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? <laughs> um, that's a great like devotional song. But I have seen the power of Jesus Christ in, the, in working in my life. I've seen the power of Jesus Christ in my brothers and sisters. I see the love of Jesus Christ in this room right now. I look at everybody wearing a mask, not because it's comfortable, not because it's fashionable, fashionable but because the power of Christ is changing a group to love each other. That's a powerful thing. I see the power of Jesus Christ constantly when my brothers and sisters interact with me. God provides me with exactly what I need at exactly when I need it through the words and actions of people who love Him. You know, we, we preach sermons um, you know, on, on Wednesday... Andy and I basically said the same thing. We didn't collaborate beforehand. It's because the power of God moves in His body. And that's a beautiful thing. So we're not left alone. Christ does manifest Himself to us because we keep His commandments. Not that we keep them perfectly, but that is our goal. That is our effort. We strive to keep His commandments. And so we're in Him. And because we're in Him, His Father, our Father, is in us as well. So, on the days where it feels like you're alone, that's another of Satan's lies. You're not alone. Again, if the world were to look at you, they might see someone who is alone. Someone looking at Peter about to be tortured for the entertain tortured and executed for the entertainment of the Roman Empire again not just because he was an insurgent but because they needed a scapegoat they would look at that man as not powerful but that was a moment of Peter's great power and Peter knew at that time even though it looked like he was the most alone person in the world at that time he was anything but alone. 
I'm going to bring you to another example. We're talking about Isaiah. We're going to read from Isaiah at a couple different points. But I should have thrown a map in here, I know, but I feel like I do too many maps. The kingdom of Judah is facing a threat from the Assyrians, as is the northern kingdom of Israel. And the kingdom of Israel is doing everything wrong. And the whole world is saying, forget about God. Even Israel is saying, forget about God. Judah's left all alone saying, okay, we, we choose to believe in God. We choose to follow His commandments. The Assyrians are doing unspeakable things. As a matter of policy, they do war crimes far beyond anything you've heard of unless you've read about the Assyrians. They do that to terrorize people into not resisting. So, okay, here's your choice. You can believe in God and possibly, according to everyone else in the world, have your family killed in the most horrendous, despicable ways possible, or you can do what everyone else does and side with the winning team. Side with the Assyrians. Or side with the allies going against the Assyrians. And so, that's a terrifying choice. And Judah made that choice, but they felt afraid. And so Isaiah comes to them in Isaiah chapter 41, verses 8-13. through 13. This is one of the two scriptures from Isaiah that we're going to be reading. This is God speaking through Isaiah to reassure His people who look like they're doing the dumbest thing anyone's ever done, which is stand up to the Assyrians and say, no, we're not caving because we believe in Yahweh God. He is all-powerful. And I don't care how scary you look. I don't care that you've taken over all of the known world. I will not fold. Isaiah said, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, Yum, who I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corner, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you. <laughs> and you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. That sounds... Pretty incredible what you're saying there, Isaiah. You're just a, a crazy man talking to the king. But the king believed him. In the face of a God who can only be seen through the eyes of the Spirit and through a mind full of truth, the God who is seen that way, only seen that way compared to the vast hordes of the Assyrian army who can be seen in the news. Their blood can be seen on the streets of their victims. He chose to see what is really there. And God said, of course, 
I'm not going to just abandon you. I know it looks overwhelming, but I've never left you. I would never leave you. Don't be afraid. The people who are coming after you now will be destroyed. Verse 13, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. And all the scary things that we have to try to do and try to get through, it's God holding your right hand. And the reason you should feel powerful is not because you're inherently powerful, but because of the one holding your right hand who's there for you. Not for everybody else, for you. Not for those who are against you. That's a beautiful thing. The older I get, the more I understand how much God wants to be not just my king, but my father. Sometimes he holds me by the right hand because even though I'm 52, it's okay. Even though I'm 52, sometimes I'm just a little scared kid. We all are. Sometimes we just need Dad to hold our hand and help us get through. God's saying, I will do that. I am doing that. I'm never going to just let you go. John 14. Again, turning back there, when Jesus left His disciples, He said, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will also teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus is saying, look, I know I only have so much time to say what I've said. And I've, I've said what I needed to, but there's more left to be said And you'll hear that from the Holy Spirit. The the teaching will continue. I'm not leaving you alone. You're getting an upgrade. Instead of just having me around when you happen to be in the same town with me, in the same room with me, I'm leaving you with the Spirit who will be with you all the time. Verse 27, so peace I'm leaving with you. My peace, my peace... I'm giving to you. I'm not giving this the way the world gives you something. I'm giving you something that belongs to me that only I can have, but we can share through the Spirit. That's not a gift like the world gives a gift. And that's the gift Jesus gives us. Not a sense of peace. He gives us His peace. So, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That doesn't mean that your heart will never be troubled if you're just a good enough Christian. That your heart will never be afraid if you're a good enough Christian. That's not what it says. It says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let yourself be afraid. You understand the difference, right? The world will try to scare you. It's not like once you become a Christian, you lose all reflexes. 
Someone throws a knife at you, you go, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm not even going to flinch. No, the thing of it is, though, when those things come at us, we may have our worldly reaction, but then against that, we have the peace that Jesus Himself has. And He gives it to us. So we can make a choice to embrace Jesus' peace, to accept that gift, or to let our hearts be troubled. And to let our hearts be afraid. Um, going to Philippians. This is one you've heard a lot. This is Paul, who's been through some pretty bad things. Things you and I will hopefully never even have to go close to any, through anything as bad as Paul went through. And he said, you know, this is a very popular thing now, to be very zen. I'm very zen. Zen, unfortunately, means, well, I'm just going to pretend nothing matters. I've been functionally Buddhist in the past. I can tell you, Buddhism is basically, oh, someone just cut off my right arm. It's okay. The world is meaningless. Paul's doing something a little more sane. He's saying, look, things matter. It matters whether or not you punch me in the face. It matters. But here's the deal. This world is going to do crazy stuff, and you don't have any control over the world around you. But what you do have through Christ is power over your own spirit. I know. I hope to get to this level of maturity because I think God cuts me a break too often because I'm not mature enough to pass the big tests. You know? Paul was mature enough to pass the big tests. He said... I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and of facing hunger. And by the way, he's saying facing plenty, because there's, trust me, facing plenty is just as big a test of your soul as facing hunger. It really is of facing abundance and need. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. It's the same theme over and over again that I'd like us all to absorb. Not just here and I go, oh, cool sermon, man. Not that anybody talks like that here. Um, but instead of just going, cool sermon, Steve, I want you to absorb the fact that we are powerful because God loves us. We're powerful because we are strengthened through Christ because we love Him. We show that we love Him because we obey His commandments. If we try to obey His commandments, if, we, if that is our heart's desire to obey His commandments, then He is in us. And because He is in us, His Father is in us, which makes us powerful. The secret to everything is not that nothing matters, but the secret is that I can do anything. Well, Okay, that's allegorical. You can't let it. No, anything. I can do anything that I need to do through Christ because Christ strengthens me. This is a test. 
You realize that? This is a test. I want to pass this test. I want all of us to pass this test. We are tested and tried by the world. Jesus was tested and tried by Satan directly and by Satan through Satan's operatives throughout the world. Do you think you're going to do any better? You think you're going to get off any easier? No. But Christ passed the test over and over and over again. And brothers and sisters, I want to pass the test. I want you to pass the test. The only way we're going to pass the test is to cheat. And the cheating is to not pass the test, but let God be strong in us so that the test is passed. That's the only way it's ever going to work. Well, I don't like facing a test. Well, too bad. That's the whole world. But don't be afraid. I don't care how crazy things get. If people are literally being dismembered, if children are being dismembered the next town over, which was happening with the Assyrians, if things get that crazy, literally that crazy, you have no reason to be afraid. Just don't hit the panic button. Walk away from the panic button. Embrace Jesus Christ. Keep your focus on doing what God wants you to do and let God do the rest. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I love this verse because in this anti-patriarchal time in which we live, where it's bad to be a man, and it's even worse to be a manly man, Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 16. And by the way, he doesn't mean act like manly men. He's saying act like men. And women act like women. Women don't act like men. Men don't act like women. Act like adults. Be watchful. That doesn't mean just go, okay, I hope everything works out. I guess dumb me is like the earlier, younger version of me from California. I guess that's the voice. You know what? I just hope everything works out, man. Um, no, he's saying be watchful. Be watchful because if you don't see the hit coming, you won't stand up. Be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And here's how you act like a man in Christ. You act like a man by being strong, but everything you do is done in love. Because that's who God is. God is ultimately strong, but everything He does is done in love. So if you want to be strong like God, then you're strong through the power God gives you as a woman to be strong, or the power God gives you as a man to be strong, and you have the power to do people harm, but you don't. You're the knight in shining armor. You have the ability to kill, but everything you do is done in love. And that's what this world needs. Us Christians being strong through the power God gives us, but doing even though we have power because we are powerful, 
we do everything in love instead. All right. Faster, Steve. Isaiah 40, 28-31. I'm going to go a little faster here. And this is, again, Isaiah talking to the king of Judah. He's saying, look, don't you know how this works? God is the Creator. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't grow weary. Verse 29, on the the contrary, He gives power to those who are faint. And to him who has no might, He increases strength. Even young people get tired and fall down. But 31, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. It doesn't matter how old you are. You won't run out of strength. You're thinking, well, I'm too old. I just can't. No, that's nonsense. You're not too old. You're not too tired. You're not too broken. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength in a way that a regular human, no matter how young or fit, can't renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not get tired They'll walk and walk and walk and not fall down. And if you don't believe that, well, you need to pray about the fact that you don't believe God's Word. You need to absorb these things, not just hear them, absorb them. Understand them, that they're part of your day-to-day life. Okay, moving on. So here's the problem Do you think, well, I heard that part about um, as long as we obey His commandments. I'm not too good at that, Steve. (laughs) I do some pretty messed up stuff sometimes. (laughs) So I'm not sure that God's going to, you know, really raise me up. Okay, you're being stupid. I love you, and we don't use that word. I know kids. But you're being stupid. Because you somehow think that God's ability to keep his promises is contingent upon your ability to keep yours. God is a good father. Christ is the perfect groom to the bride of his church. Even the, Read the whole Bible. The whole Bible is a story how people are faithless. But at the slightest <laughs> excuse, God uses the slightest excuse to say, okay, come on, hug it out. That's God throughout the, read it throughout the Bible, starting with Abraham on. Nobody does what they're supposed to do, but God's ability to keep his promises to you is not tied to your ability to stay up to your end of the bargain. So stop disempowering God because you make mistakes. Flip that around, say, God, thank you for making me powerful. Help me be more powerful to have better control of myself and to make better decisions. I do that. I do that. And God has changed me. I know that's all I can tell you. I mean, I could tell you more. It might get a little weird. But God doesn't just leave you sitting out there going, well, you better do better. Do better, loser. No, God's like, I'm here to make you powerful to be obedient, to be in me. God takes care of every one of the problems along the route here. So anything you say, well, that's too hard, the enemy's too big, I'm too weak, I'm too sinful, all those excuses are out the window one at a time. 
Let me actually read the verse I'm talking about. 1 John 4, 16-18. So we have come to know and to believe. That's important. Not just know, but to believe. The love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Abiding in love means being loving, but it also means just accepting love. Have you ever tried to love someone or give someone a gift and they just won't accept it? I'm not talking about you were creepy to that girl in high school. That's different. I'm talking about you've tried to show self-sacrificing love to someone who needs it and they just rejected you. Or you tried to give a gift that you wanted to give to someone who needed it and they rejected you. That's crazy. It feels weird. It feels bad, man. But that's what we do to God. So we not don't just have to be loving and giving. We have to just accept that God loves us. But God, I shh. But God, I shh. God loves you. But I'm shh. God loves you. Well, if you knew shh, God loves you. And He knows everything, by the way. He still loves you. He will empower you to abide in Him if you let Him empower you. Because He loves you, that power is there. And you work from there. For verse 17, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. If you let yourself be loved by God, there is no fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Is there punishment for those who reject God? Yes, there is. But if you accept God's love, it's not about fear of punishment. It's about, wow, God loves me. That's transformative. It's transformative to be loved. You're not thinking about, well, what do I get out of it anymore? If you're in a loving relationship, it's not about what do I get out of it? What happens if I don't do it? It becomes about having this bond. It's about this hug with God, this relationship where I'm thinking about how much God loves me and how I'm going to react to that. I'm not thinking about, oh, if I do this, I do that. I'm, that's, I'm thinking about how am I going to react to this amazing love God has given me? And by accepting that love, we become powerful. Romans 8, 31-35. This is our first part of our last Scripture. So then what are we supposed to say about all these things? Paul's talking about love. He's talking about grace. He's talking about sin. He's talking about the law. He's talking about all these complicated things. He's like, okay, let me sum it up for you. What can we say about these things? Well, what we can say is, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who? No one. There's no point in being against God. There's no one that can be against God. Even those who try to be against God are actually just working for God and don't know it. The people who, who tortured and executed Jesus were all working, doing what God's will. They were working out God's will plan you can't be against God it's worthless so I don't care how against God someone looks they can't be against God 
God's not playing 4D chess. He's playing 500D chess. You just can't compete. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, if that's how much love He has for us, how will He not also graciously give us everything else? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is it, it's God who justifies. Who's accusing you? God's the justifier. Who's condemning? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, He was raised up. Who's at the right hand of God? Who's indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or COVID? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. We're more than just, we don't just beat them, we're more than that. It's not even a contest. It's embarrassing how badly the opposition gets crushed by the power of the Almighty. Go figure, He's called the Almighty. The opposition gets crushed. We're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Again, it's God's love for us that helps us to be so powerful that it's just embarrassing and sad. Like me kicking a room full of puppies. Do not picture that. For I am sure, I'm sure, I know, I've seen, I've experienced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, physics, nor anything else in all creation, or the laws above which creation is built. However crazy you want to get to try to say this power is more powerful, I've seen that none of these things will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Are you defeated? No, you're just skirt. You're just a little skirt. And that's okay, but don't let yourself be skirt. Don't let your heart be troubled. Let God's love flow through you. Stop saying, well, am I sure God loves you? Stop it! God loves you. Accept it. Let it flow through you. Let God love you as much as possible, because God can love you as big as the universe. And there's nothing about which you need to be afraid. You turn from fear, and you turn toward just letting God love you and going. And at the end of it, you'll be like Paul and say, I can't believe the size of God's love. I'm astounded by the size and power of God's love for me and the power in that. And if you choose to let go of fear and just soak up this this everlasting hug, this kiss on the head that God's giving you, then you'll be in awe of the power that God has and chooses to manifest in your life and the lives of everyone that loves Him. I hope you're encouraged by all this this morning. And I hope you understand that with great power comes great responsibility, according to Uncle Ben. 
Spider-Man reference, sorry. Linda, thank you for laughing. But we aren't given power so that we can just sit back and be powerful. We're given power so that we can be part of God's power in the world around us. We use our power to make the world a better place. We use our power to lift other people up out of fear and hopelessness and into God's arms. And that's what we want to do this morning. Even though we're at uh, minimum safe distance worship, we do want to pray with you. If you need prayers, if, there, if you have a praise that you want to share with us, please tell us. If you're not baptized and you want to become a Christian so that you can receive God's power, please do that. Come forward. Let us pray with you. Let us baptize you, whatever you need this morning while we stand and sing this song.